Welcome to Sports Best Reposted. I'm Larry Olson, known in my local poker game as Pacheco Nuts. He is Andrew Keller. I know you're going to hate this nickname, Tina. You don't like that, do you? That's all right. Okay. <laughs> we'll go with it for now. You can find us on most of the socials as where, uh, Andrew? Uh, yeah, you can find us at Reposted Podcast, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, please also tap the subscribe button as you're listening right now to hear more episodes. All right, Andrew, sports gets a bad rap. Maybe rightly so because, well, you know, the Houston Astros did win the World Series a couple of years ago because they stole signs and wore buzzers under their jerseys to help them. And, yes, for the younger generation, I mean older generation, Lance Armstrong cheated and took steroids winning all those Tour de France's. But forget all that, Andrew. Sports Best is all about telling you what is right in sports. So considering this is our first episode and our bosses haven't told us exactly what we can't say yet, I'd like to start by asking you, Andrew, what sports have meant to you? I know you were a big-time football player in Texas. You've been Mr. Buffalo in Colorado. So sports probably had a pretty good impact on your life. Yeah, I mean, for me, sports are kind of a way to quickly find common ground with strangers. Like, if you have a team, it's exciting to be walking down the street and have someone represent your gear. I get a lot of, go Buffs, yelled at me when I'm wearing my CU gear. <laughs> But even probably more than being in the fraternity of the team, I think playing sports has taught me a lot about myself. I mean, yeah, I believe like a lot of your limitations are mental. For example, like I don't think many people on earth can run to failure. People give up on themselves because their mind fails and they tell them they need to stop. But like when you're playing sports, you learn to sacrifice for a greater good. And so if I put in less effort, I'm letting my team down. You don't want to do that. You want to work as a unit so I think while sports are a great way to stay active I think it's the life lessons that you get are far more valuable uh, yeah. can I ask one follow-up question I I said you were Mr. Buffalo you literally ran the Buffalo onto your football field in Colorado yeah um I think it's the only live mascot that's not uh sedated during games we ran a I ran Ralphie four which is a Buffalo she's a 1300 pound Buffalo and we would run first and second half of the buff games and that was like going on a roller coaster with no seatbelt, man. She did what she wanted, and uh, it was her world, and we were just living it. But that was a blast. I got a huge rush every time going out to 20,000 people. So excited to see the Buffalo. I feel like we're like maybe two minutes into the show, and you drop the humble brag with the, the only Buffalo not sedated west of the Mississippi. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> Colorado's got, got it figured out, you know. Um, Andrew, I think sports is great because you know why? It's just entertainment especially like now during this pandemic sort of takes our mind off of all that is bad in the world. And that's the whole thing. Sports sometimes comes back to being bad. Cheaters, steroids, Lance Armstrong, blah, blah, blah. But on this show, we're really going to focus on what's good in sports and how we can take our mind off of this and do some brevity and laughter. And we've got some great stories. So are you ready? Yeah, let's jump into it. All right. Did you know the last person picked in the NFL draft has a nickname, Andrew? Oh, is he called uh, Big Fat Loser? He's not called Big. Do you really not know the name of the, the, the last person picked? I think he's a, he's a Lowman. He's a, he, I know he gets the Lowman Trophy. But, Look at uh, you. Look at you. All right, so the NFL rap draft wrapped up over the weekend, and the last person picked is named Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> I love that name. So with the 255th pick over the weekend in the 2020 draft, the New York Giants took – I'm going to kill this, Andrew. Decortivarus? Did I say Decortivarus? Yeah, Decortivarus. Okay. Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder. They call him Tay. 
He's a linebacker out of Georgia. When he was picked last, he said, it means a lot to me and my family and my community. Uh, from a small town, Hamilton, Georgia, many people don't make it from here. It brought out the city. So getting picked last in the NFL draft brought his whole city together. Now, I feel like some people maybe don't know this, like mainly my wife. But if you're picked last in the NFL draft, you're still dang good. It's still a, yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, they have uh, on Hard Knocks that show on HBO. They just follow people who are undrafted and trying to make it. And those guys are been elite athletes their entire life. And it it sounds kind of sad being picked last, but I would be picked 255th any day of the week to play in the NFL. You know, I was thinking like, what if this happened like at the schoolyard when we were in elementary yeah. school? Like the last person picked out a parade throw for him. <laughs> I might have better self-esteem about my dodgeball skills if that was the case. Now, just to add to this, Mr. Irrelevant, the 255th pick, also gets a parade thrown for him in Southern California. And as you mentioned, there's a banquet thrown in his honor where he's, he gets the Lozman Trophy. Now, the Lozman, obviously, a play on the word, the Heisman Trophy, which is handed out to the best college player. But uh, the person, I, I forget, it was like 30 years ago, the last person picked in the draft, he sort of took on this mantle of Mr. Irrelevant and his daughter's taken on this idea of turning it into a week-long event where they fly this person out. This guy from Georgia, Cotavarius, de Cortavarius, mm-hmm. he's never been outside of Georgia. So he's going to fly to Southern California and have a parade and have a dinner thrown in his honor. So very exciting. I think, yeah, w- would you rather be picked 254th? I mean, no. maybe, that, maybe that's worse. That's exactly it. They were talking about the guy that was picked 254th, and he's super bummed that he doesn't yeah. have a parade thrown in his honor. <laughs> Over the past 10 drafts, Mr. Irrelevance, only one is still in the NFL. It was uh, 2018's a receiver called Trey Quinn. You have hmm. to go back to 2009. That Mr. Irrelevant, kicker Ryan Suckup, has played in 166 games and has actually made a difference in the draft. So it turns out Mr. Irrelevant doesn't really naturally do that well in the NFL. But nevertheless, he's still Mr. Irrelevant for life. Yeah, but what does the draft really tell us? I mean, people have made careers out of mock drafts like Mel Kuyper Jr. But, I mean, <laughs> you got uh, Hasselbeck and Brady both going in the sixth round. So no one knows it's going to happen until it actually comes Andrew, to, to me, you are my Mr. Relevant. Oh, thanks so much, Larry. Speaking of the NFL draft, do you, did you hear um, about – Anyone maybe going viral during that whole thing? You know, I, I feel like there was some sort of someone's pet or something went viral. Yeah, I think um, my conspiracy theory is possibly the mastermind to the secret of the whole Patriots' continued success in their organization. <laughs> Bill Belichick's dog, Nike, what? What? popped up on the screen. Yeah, apparently Nantucket Island has been pretty tight with locking people down on the island. So the Belichick's volunteered to do the tech for their own draft. So naturally at one point when Bill wasn't in front of his chair, his girlfriend was probably messing with the lights. They cut to Belichick and you see this dog sitting behind the computer as (laughs) if he's planning out the next pick. I think the most impressive part of that story is you get some fill in from the girlfriend saying that there was treats on the table. and The dog was patiently waiting to be told he could eat the treat. I don't know many dogs are that well trained. (laughs) Hey, Bill Belichick's dog better be trained, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I guess it further points out that every aspect of his life is dialed <laughs> in. It's the Patriot way, even even if you're a canine. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I was drafting, and I don't, did you see the NFL draft at all? 
Yeah, I watched some of it. I thought it was great because you would see these general managers and coaches and they would pan to them as they're about ready to make their picks and like their families are there mm-hmm. and some of them had surfboards in the background. Did you see Cliff Kingsbury, who's the coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, no, I didn't see him. What, he, what was he up Like to? they panned to him at his mansion. He's in Arizona. It's like he's sitting on a white couch. Behind him is this picturesque landscape of a pool and a campfire. And he's like, Mr. Chill guy, like, yeah, 2.0 draft. I mean, he's just like Mr. Cool guy. I thought that was the best part of the draft, seeing like people's homes. Yeah, I think with the shutdown and we're seeing so many celebrities doing these Zoom calls, I think it is cool to see uh, the different things uh, off of sports for a second. I saw Meryl Streep doing one and she had empty bookshelves or empty shelves behind her. And the only thing I could come up with is she had to take all of her awards up, take all of her awards down to make her not look like she was uh, the most decorated actor ever. Anyway, I like seeing... I mean, like the funny thing is, like, couldn't she have done that in another corner of her room so she didn't have to take her awards down? Yeah, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I agree. It's fun seeing. It, it's a fun twist on the NFL draft, and maybe once we're out of this, they might keep some aspect of that going. Yeah, listen, last thing on the draft here, um, I was so desperate for sports that I made all my kids watch it, and we sat there for hours <laughs> to watch the NFL draft. So we sucked it all in. <laughs> Love it. One last football note. Turns out, Maybe people will that aren't from Boston will contradict this, but Tom Brady is a nice guy. Have you been paying attention to this all-in challenge? I didn't know anything about it, but I'm sure you're a Hollywood guy. You probably do. Yeah, I love it. There was, um, there's been some pretty great things out there. Like you can be in a movie with Kevin Hart, or um, I saw that you could play golf with Peyton Manning or Rob Lowe, and the d- chasm between those two people is hilarious to me. <laughs> um, how much did the uh, movie with Kevin Hart go for do you know uh, I think it ends today it's it's a little over 500,000 I don't oh think it's the God. highest one yet okay well 500,000 for Kevin Hart Tom Brady's all-in challenge raised $800,000 wow. the package included dinner or workout with Brady after his first home game with the Buccaneers as well as tickets to the game his jersey and his cleats wow <laughs> uh, it's the largest amount of money so far raised for this all-in challenge some of my other favorite ones were um, you could go on a double date with Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the okay. Seahawks. How much would you well, pay for a double date with Russell Wilson? I'd pay upwards of $1,000 for that. Okay. <laughs> Something that I think is kind of interesting on these, uh, like Brady's giving away his jersey, the players have to pay for those. Like if they give that away, their, their pay gets docked, like whatever the cost of the jersey is, $200. My friend used to be an equipment manager for the Dolphins. And he was saying, like, the linemen wear the same jersey every game. It's not the organization buying a new round of jerseys. Like, Peyton Manning is – I mean, it's negligent. It's a rounding error to him. But I think it's funny that the players have to pay for it. I, I love that. I didn't know that. And I like the idea that they're, like, getting their paychecks uh, slip. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like three jerseys at uh, 150 bucks a piece. <laughs> yeah. And Emmett Smith kept all his touchdown balls. And I think those balls are, like, $600. So – do you know who Meek Mills is? Uh, is he a rapper? I don't know. I, anyways, he sold his Rolls Royce for $320,000 on this all-in challenge. Wow. I don't know. I don't know that and then, lastly, a game of horse and courtside seats with Magic Johnson for the all-in challenge went for $220,000. Wow. That's crazy. I, I just looked this up just now, but what do you think the, the delta between golf with Peyton Manning and Rob Lowe is? A hundred thousand. So uh, Peyton Manning will set you back five hundred twenty-five thousand. He'll fly to your hometown and play golf with uh, you and two of your friends. 
Rob Lowe is uh, buying a Toyota Corolla, $26,000. All right, I'm not sure if you heard this or not yet, but did you know the NBA might be playing the rest of their season at the happiest place on earth? It's that's not my um, that's not my closet, Andrew. Where is that? <laughs> so it's being reported that Disney World is a front runner for what? the NBA to wrap up the rest of their season. Yeah, uh, they're trying to figure out either taking all 32 teams there or going straight to the playoffs. But uh, apparently, Disney World is kind of the is kind of the perfect place for this to happen. They have the Disney Worldwide of sports venue, and that gives the NBA multiple courts that they can use. They're already in close proximity to a lot of hotels. There's a pre-existing broadcasting relationship between the NBA and Disney-owned ABC and ESPN. And apparently, Bob Iger has already made a presentation to the NBA. So it seems like we're headed in that direction. Other places so, like Las Vegas are throwing out there, but I, I want to see him play with Mickey Mouse. Uh, I think Mickey would be a great uh, person to have on your starting five. So mm-hmm. if they're kind of doing the baseball thing, then they're going to take all 32 teams and quarantine them in one place and have them play at the same time. Yeah. And they're saying they need, they need widespread testing to be able to do that. But with places like Los Angeles already giving free testing to the entire County, I feel like testing the limited number of people in the NBA seems plausible at this point. It seems like Florida or Orlando, they're willing to do anything. Like I feel like the WWE held WrestleMania like two weeks ago in Florida. I know. It's crazy. And then also, uh, I haven't checked on this, but the, the Major League Baseball is talking about doing their entire season from spring training locations, a split between Florida and Arizona. So Florida's like, come on down. I know that you're a big fan of spring training. So that would be great. You could just go watch from the fence anytime you wanted, Andrew. Yeah. I'll just show up in Arizona. The heat's going to keep me safe. It seems like a great place to go. Anyway, I think it'll be interesting how that all works out with if Disney World opens, that seems like a, a comical situation with the concentration of all the NBA players and then people <laughs> riding around on their rascal scooters eating a turkey leg. That's a, a funny juxtaposition. <laughs> uh, I do like the idea of uh, Mickey and the gang getting in somehow in on the NBA. You mentioned a second ago baseball. Well, professional baseball is actually underway, Andrew. The season is underway in Taiwan. <laughs> yes. What? Yes, Taiwan. It's actually called the Professional Baseball League of China. Chinese Taipei, Taiwan. There's a whole thing about that. I got a friend named Jimmy who could get into the geopolitical ramifications of that. But nevertheless, they're playing professional baseball in Taiwan. They started. Of course, there's no fans in these stadiums, right? So they're empty stadiums. The teams are playing. And the teams are trying to figure out, like, and it's going to be an interesting dilemma when we're talking about teams playing without fans there. Like, what do you do? Do you still play music? Like, do Baseball players still have walk-up songs. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe do you have the home field advantage by piping in the sound of a crowd during during the opponents being at bat and not when you're at bat? I don't know. Well, that's interesting. So they're saying some of the differences are because it's so silent in these games. You can really hear, like, the crack of the bat because you don't have, like, the murmur of the crowd. Yeah. Um, also, it. the vibe's different. They're saying um, – someone was saying that it's – I mean, I'm not a high-end athlete, but you can really sort of feel the energy difference – playing at a stadium with nobody there yeah i think it really does affect the overall feel of the sports i think the guys might get used to it heckling is going to be able to uh, have a lot more effect because one voice is going to be heard 
I remember I went to a, I went to an LPGA tour event one time and it's uh, slightly less you, attended than a PGA event. And uh, this girl was hitting her second shot and it was a great shot. And I was just there with my buddy and we're like, Oh, great shot. And she was like startled. Our voice carried. And she's like, Oh, thank you. Uh, I think it's a more intimate feeling and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, across all, all the major sports are talking about doing this without, without fans. And I, I think it's going to be great because, like you're saying, people want to watch sports, but it's going to be a much different vibe. First of all, good for you, Andrew, for supporting the ladies. Thank you for doing oh, thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, though, in this uh, the, the baseball season in Taiwan, what they're letting fans do is they're letting fans take pictures of their faces, putting them on cardboard cutouts, oh. and then putting those cutouts in seats. <laughs> so you can have, like, oh, your own seat in the empty stadium, and then when they pan the crowd, the television – you, they'll like somewhat kind of see you at the game. So you're saying I need to go get, I need to go update my headshots so I can uh, get a good look when I'm in uh, section 208. First of all, Andrew, I know you're lying because your headshots are always updated. You're always ready for a gig. So I know that's not true. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, something else that I learned during this coronavirus lockdown is that you can either do the time or let the time do you. <laughs> and we, with gyms being closed down right now, people are turning to prison-style workouts to stay in shape. What? I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah. Push-ups, jumping, jumping jacks, mountain climbers, and flutter kicks are just kind of a few of the options you can do with your own body weight to come out of this lockdown with less body fat than when you came in. I know you're probably doing dips every night on the table, right? Listen, Andrew, as you know, I do like me some push-ups. So, yeah. yes, I understand this. I know you're a big, like, boxer and you're a big gym guy. Are you doing the prison workout? Yeah, it's actually been a fairly seamless transition for me. I go outside every morning, and before I have my coffee, I'll do 20 burpees, 50 air squats, and about 25 push-ups. And it's just a good way to get my day started, you know, get the blood flowing before I jump into everything. You know, uh, I'm not necessarily doing the prison workout, but I have been making wine out of my toilet. Is that weird? Oh, no. that's That was <laughs> day one. You got to start making that hooch. Hooch. <laughs> Jake Landall is the currently the defensive and recruiting coordinator for Highland Community College in lovely Highland, Kansas. But most importantly, he's a coach. He played college football, and now he coaches college football. Coach, thanks for coming on with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Maybe you haven't been paying attention. Probably you have, but uh, football's kind of gotten a bad name over the last few years. Tell us why you think football is important to play and how you got started playing football. Football is important to play because you, you look at the team aspect, and I think, you know, look at our look at our country right now. And I'm going to go political on you, so you can, <laughs> you can take well, it or leave it. But look at look at look at Washington. Washington's a uh, I'm going to cuss here. It's a shit show, and you got a bunch of people on two different sides that they they don't get along when the TV's going on, and then they cut it off, and then they go to have dinner together. And if football coaches ran the world, you got you got a bunch of different people from a di bunch of different demographics from all walks of life, different religions, for a matter of 60 minutes, those guys are, are fighting the same battle in the same direction and all working over a piece of leather. So if, if we can do that on a football field in 100 yards, imagine what we could do if they, they put us in charge of the country. Coach, I know exactly what you mean because I've seen the movie Remember the Titans, so I can believe it. When did you start playing football? I know I think you're from Kansas, right? I think in 
a lot of places people start playing real young. Did you start at a young age? I did. I, I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, uh, home of Barry Sanders, the greatest running back in all of college, in all of football. Barry Ball. Started in the second grade, and I had a friend of mine, Nathan McGuire, called, and I've been watching football for all these years, and he called and said, hey, you want to play tackle football? And I said, heck yes, I do. And Hey, Coach, uh, you're not working for the Kansas City Chiefs, probably not fr- flying, on, flying on private planes or having your meals catered. I could be wrong, but I feel like Highland Community College is not making you a millionaire. So you're probably coaching because you love coaching. What draws you back to coaching? You, I love it. I hate it. Um, there, there's a – Mike Leach gave a speech a long time ago because I was thinking about getting into coaching and went to the coaching convention, and I heard him give this talk. And Mike Leach is phenomenal, fascinating. Just listen to him talk. I'm sure you guys – would love an interview with that guy, but he talks about the law. And in that speech, it's, you know, he, he wrote and every day in law school, they had to say, I love law. I love law. So we would see his professor, ask the professor said, Hey, I don't love the law. He's like, matter of fact, I, I don't even hate the law. He said, what, what's your deal? And, and the professor said, I love law. I hate law. I'm consumed by law. So find what consumes you. And so, you know, for me, football consumes me. And, you know, I, Ascended really quickly from when I got into coaching. Uh, went from making $180 at Bethel College to director of player personnel, defensive line coach, assistant head coach at Northwestern State. And then I, I was working 93 hours a week and missed watching my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter grow up. And, and so we got out. My wife and I made the decision to get out of coaching for a couple of years. And it was about six weeks into that. She looked at me and she said, you're not, you're not the same person. So from that moment on, there was a, uh, an effort to try and find the right fit to get back in. And so, you know, it, it's, there's days where I love it and there's days where I hate it. Uh, I, I'm consumed by it. I, I, I want to be around the kids. And it's not even necessarily about the X's and O's. It's about the impact that you get to have on these kids, uh, especially, you know, the guys at the Chiefs, they probably have an impact on their players. Uh, the, you know, at Northwestern State, we could have an impact on our players. At Missouri Southern, we could have an impact on our players. But here at the junior college, uh, I, I used to give junior college coaches a bad rap, and now I'm one of them. And, and, I, and I, you got to put your own twist on it. I really find that that you get to – I get to coach better players at this level than I would at a Northwestern State. And I get to have a greater impact on some of these kids. And Western Kentucky called me yesterday about having to go back to school for the coronavirus and get ready for the season. And, and so – you know, those kids, they're, they're uh, I like to say we're half brother, half father, because as a brother, we're the guy that they're going to come confide in, and they're going to tell us things they wouldn't talk to their fathers about if they have fathers. And then at the other side of things, you know, the father aspect is you can come down on them and let them know, here, hey, here's the reality of the situation. And they respect it, and they take to it, and they gravitate to that discipline like they would if, if, it, if it was their own father. So... Do you, a coach, do you have like an overall coaching philosophy? Uh, I do. It changes every day. And, but at the end of it, you know, my, my philosophy is we got to be about the kids. The day that I come to the office and coaching is no longer about the kids is the day that uh, I'm, I don't need to be in this profession anymore because, you know, coaching is an interesting, you're, you're putting your livelihood in somebody else's hands. So my livelihood resides in a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids handling their business and staying out of trouble and, and executing in the classroom, in the community, and 
and then most importantly on the football field because uh, as much as they want to execute in the room and the, and, and the, and society, if they don't execute on the field, then people are going to fire me and I have to move on. So you got to find a nice balance. And I think that's, uh, I think it's interesting. You're talking about your relationship with the kids and do you get to see the return on what you're doing in their lives immediately? I feel like sometimes maybe more down the road, you're going to hear from that player fully understanding how you impacted their lives. Cause I think it took me like five or 10 years to realize the impact that my football coaches had on my life. Do you see stuff immediately or, or do you get more reward when someone comes back later on and tells you what you meant in their life? I think you get, I've, I've seen it both. Uh, there's a young mm -hmm. kid at Northeast that uh, when I took over, you know, he, he texted me day one and a little racial here, you know, he, he didn't think he could play for a white D line coach. So, you know, he kept telling me all the time. He's like, man, for a white guy, you're not bad. And so, you know, now he's at, at, at SEMO and he's texting me. He's like, coach, like this whole not judging a book by its cover. I've made so many more friends. Uh, so you see an immediate return there. And then at the same time, you know, I've got a young player that went rounds. He was a freshman All-American for me at Northwestern State. And then it meant a lot to me that he calls me when his son was born. And his question, he's, you know, he's so concerned about his son. He said, man, I, I never had a father. How do I know how to be a father? You're asking a lot of advice from me. And I'm sitting there going, dude, I had a, I'll tell you, I had a great father. I still have a great father. I don't think that helped me be a father. I said, you just need to be what that child needs, not what that child wants. Be everything that you thought you needed from a father growing up. Hey, Coach, uh, I'm a 46-year-old man with some bad knees, but I want to come play football for you. I got some <laughs> okay. time left, some eligibility. Bring it on. Hey, anytime you want to come to Highland, Kansas and, and come to practice, you guys are more than welcome to come down and join us and run around and, and uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep pace with me. I've, I've been told I got to change my coaching philosophy. I broke my neck last year, uh, taking on a double team in practice. So uh, I found can, that uh, I found that D line coaches, this might be a generalization, but I'm curious what your thought is Are the craziest coaches on the field. I remember before a game, our D line coach headbutted me and blood was streaming down his face <laughs> as he was screaming, leading us out onto the field. I'm going to give it to the O-line coaches as being oh, the craziest okay. ones. And, and the reason is, is, is they don't have enough intelligence to know better. So, uh, I'm stroking the fire right there. The D-line the yes. coaches are better actors. Pork the bear. Hey, yes. coach, before we get on out of here, um, I always think these interviews are for my kids and people that don't necessarily know football well. So I have some fun football terms that I want you to try to explain. All right. Uh, what is a slobber knocker? Slobber knocker. That's when somebody gets hit so hard that the snot and slobber gets knocked out of their mouth. I got one for you, Coach. How about alligator arms? What are those? Alligator arms. Now, you got to be from South Louisiana to understand that one because <laughs> and, and Dustin Gisclair, his paran or godfather is Ed Ogeron. And, and uh, so he used to run around and be like, boy, I got you. Boy, I got that gator arms. They got the gator arms. And that's where, you know, you got you look at a gator and it's got this massive head and this massive tail, but it's got these itty bitty arms. And so you go over the middle as a wide receiver and you're afraid of getting hit. And so you, you want to stick your arms out there, uh, but you're keeping them in to protect yourself. And so in a way, you you got these little itty bitty arms that are sticking out there. But as, as Coach Jizz calls them, gate arms. Coach Jake Landau, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Check out the Scotties this fall. They kick off their season August 22nd against Independence Community College in Independence, Kansas. For more info, you can visit scottyathletics.com. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. This was Sports Best, the best of sports. Thank you again to Jake Landall. If you like our show, please share it with a friend or family member so they can catch up on the best of sports. Until next week, we will be scouring the world of sports to bring you all of the sports best. (laughs) 